0: 2 Timothy chapter 2. We are, at, we are in verse 14. Let's go. Verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. <laughs> well, this is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent. I told you, 2 Timothy is no joke. You thought James was a big deal. Read second as we dive into this. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverence and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymas and Philetus, I forgot, I forgot. Anyway, that's good enough. That guy are among them. He calls them out. Can you just can we just stop there? He calls them out by name yeah, for all eternity. Whew. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection had already has already taken place and they're ruining the faith of some. Whew. Yikes, is right. Nevertheless, God's sound solid foundation stands firm bearing this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there is not only uh, not only gold and silver vessels, but also uh, those of wood and clay, some of for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special in- instrument, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee. From youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject and but, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know that they bring quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Don't we let that lay there for a second? But must be gentle to everyone. Able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they will may come to their sense, uh, senses, senses, and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. All right, this is a lot. Amen. So, we continue, so as we continue to talk about this letter, um, as we know, as we've talked about before, that this is Paul's letter to his protege, Timothy, who is at this time in the church of Ephesus. And Ephesus is a pretty wild place. It's a pretty ungodly place. As a matter of fact, we made this statement a few weeks back that said, when you walk out the door of your house in Ephesus, it's very plain and evident that you don't belong there as a believer. You are, you are different than those guys and that they believe vastly different things about about life and about their spirituality. Matter of fact, you walk out your door, you're probably going to see the big um, temple to Diana there and all the people coming to do all kind of ungodly things at that temple. So this is a letter written to a church, written to the, the leader of a church in this area that's ungodly. And so we've talked about like, two parts to this this series, the reason why we're doing this series is the first one is simply this, I want you to read your Bibles, and as we go verse by verse, I want you to see that um, you can read your Bibles, you can actually on your own read your Bible, and um, uh, I challenge you for us to do that for many reasons, go back and listen to all my reasons that we've talked about in the past, but also it's how do we live godly in an ungodly culture, what is our place in an ungodly culture? What is the, as we as the church respond and how do we live in an ungodly culture? Well, this is, um, and I said it before, that when people say the Bible's not relevant, this is highly re- relevant to where we're at today. God, how do I live in a world where increasingly becoming more ungodly? How do I live and how do I re- maintain my faith? And how do I not get caught up in the trap of the world system? As Paul will say in a different place, how how do I keep myself from being squeezed into the mold of this world? And so this is why we're reading this this book. So, um. So this is read. This letter is for Timothy as well as for you and me today. Amen. So as I was thinking about this, um, as I was thinking, my mind is just you just gotta understand. Most of you know me by now. Um, if you don't, you will. Um, but I, my mind just goes. To weird places. And so as I'm reading this scripture, um, this movie popped up in my head. Um, go ahead and put it up there. This movie popped up in my head. Is uh, How many of y'all remember this movie? I mean, the original, not the remake, right? And how many of y'all watch Cobra Kai? How many of y'all be honest? I watch Cobra Kai. I do watch Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a, a movie back in the 80s. And man, if you go and watch some clips from this movie, you really remember this movie was back in the day, right? This is, um, was it, 80s, right? The mid-80s. So, yeah. Yeah, it was only like five years ago, right? So, <laughs> I don't remember, you know, my parents told me about it, about this movie. <laughs> That's a lie. Okay. So, this movie, if you don't know this movie, it's, very, it's a movie. It's this movie, this is about this guy who moves in, who, who, who uh, moves up from this other state. He moves into this new place. And this place is, like, super religious, and they won't let him dance, and they won't let oh, wait, wait, that's a different movie. (laughs) I was like, when I thought about this movie, this is, like, the karate version of, like, of Footloose. This is really it, right? So he shows up, now you're, like, your wheels are turning, aren't they? It is. This is the karate version of Footloose. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Some of you are late. Okay, that's okay. So um, <laughs> I got you all messed up. Okay, roll back in, roll back in. No, no, you got to go watch both of them, right? So um, so no, it's this kid, and he moves in. I think he moves to the Bronx, right? I think he moves, is that where he moves? But anyway, when it, where, he, come, he comes and he moves from wherever, and then he comes to this place, and immediately he starts getting bullied, and he gets picked on and everything. And then, um, And then Yoda shows up <laughs> in the form of Mr. Miyagi. The hero's journey. It never it just is what it is, right? Through every story, every story. Um, but Mr. Miyagi comes in. He agrees he's going to train him, right? And then they go through this long process. He says, basically, makes poor little, poor little Daniel is like little his little servant boy, and um, makes him paint the fence. Remember this? Paint the fence. What do you do? Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And then what's the other one? Sand the floor, sand the floor, and so most of the movie is long drawn out of him being aggravated because he has to do all these things, right? And so, <laughs> so let's as we think about that movie, you're like, where in the world are you going? I'm going somewhere. But let's just go. Let's keep that movie in the back of our mind, and then let's go and begin to go through. This these scriptures, in verse um, go back to verse. Um, in verse fourteen, he begins. Paul begins in this section of the uh, of his teaching. He begins to attack the false teaching and the arguments that are arising. This will be a theme of this of this letter. This is a, if you haven't noticed yet, false doctrine. Actually, he deals with it in 1 Timothy, Ephesus. Just gotta remember, guys. Listen. Ephesus is the middle, of tra- the middle of trade in that region. It is a very uh, cosmopolitan city. There's a lot of different thoughts. And like some of the great thinkers are, are in Ephesus, right? Some of the great minds and the great uh, philosophizer and all, the, all those people are just are, all, um, are in Ephesus. They're all there. Like minds and the way they're thinking is different. The Greek ways of thinking is all in this city. So you can imagine that those, all these different thoughts are going to start creeping into the church, and all these false teachings are going to start creeping into the church. And so, Timoth- so Paul's warning Timothy, um, hey, by the way, don't get caught up in these things either. Don't get caught up in all the arguments. Don't get caught up in all the, 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 the silly debates, Right? Basically, what we're going to find is Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. These teachers would come in, and they would teach, and like specifically he names it, these people would come in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, the resurrection of the dead, that's already happened, right? There's not a lot said about what that all means. There's some different thoughts, and there's different conflicting thoughts, but we're not going to argue about them because we've just been instructed not to argue about what those (laughs) things might mean. But obviously, these these teachings are coming in. And and we see this today. We see this today in in all over the church. And and let me just say, it's not new to this era of the church. It's always false doctrine and false teaching has always been trying to creep into the church, always. It's one of the reasons why we do the creed every every time we do communion, because we need to make sure we remember the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. Christ came. We were separated from God and Jesus came, right? And he reconciled us back to himself. And then he sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do his word, to do his, wor- his will. And we've been given this, this, this mandate to go into all the world and show people Jesus and preach the gospel of Jesus everywhere we go. Whether you're at your job, whether you're at, uh, you get an opportunity here, or you get an opportunity over there, overseas. Everywhere we go, we live an example of Jesus. So we see even today, like new new things trying to creep in. And and you ever thought about this? You ever thought about how this new when a lot of when, a lot of when new quote unquote new teaching comes in, it never is. Uh, it's never really evangelical. It doesn't really encourage people to share their faith in Christ. It never really in, in, in encourages you to self-evaluate and grow in your faith. But I still am flawed. I need to have, there's places in me that need to grow. The way I deal with other people is not okay, right? The way, um, the way I, um, uh, the, I, I could be better about the way I treat my wife. It's, it's never about that. It's always about these things on the sides, right? And it may be okay. I'm not saying they're all wrong. I'm just saying, what is our focus? Many times it brings us away from what the focus has always been. We get bored with the normal. Who said that? Somebody said that. So then Paul addresses how are we to handle these things. How are we to handle these false teachings and all this kind of stuff What's interesting, he's, he quotes this, this, this scripture, and he says, the Lord knows who are His. And many times in your Bible, when so if you put yourself in the mind of a Jewish person like Paul and a, and a very brilliant theologian like Paul, you've got to understand how he thinks. He thinks in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament text, he thinks in those lines as he's writing these things. And some, I like what some people call it, sometimes there'll be he'll write something, and it's what we would like when we talk about a hyperlink. You know, like a hyperlink when it's like in blue, you know, you click on it and it takes you somewhere else. Sometimes when Paul says things, it's a hyperlink to something else that happened. So this, the Lord knows who are his, is a hyperlink. And what is that hyperlink? It's actually a hyperlink back to the story of Korah. The story of Korah. And the story of Korah back in the Old Testament. Um, this is when they were in they were in the middle of the wilderness, they've been in the wilderness for a while. They've tried to go into the promised land and the doubt and unbelief and put them back into the desert. And so they're wandering around the desert. And finally, this guy, Torah, kind of pops up, this brief explanation of that story. Korah pops up and goes, Hey, aren't you tired of Moses? Aren't you tired of his leadership? Like, surely if I was a leader, we would already be in the promised land. Come on, guys. Like Moses, we're in the desert. We're supposed to be God's chosen people. Amen, right? Can you hear him just Mm -hmm. pulling the crowd in? And so he riles up this whole big dissension in the middle of it. And then he confronts Moses. And Moses goes, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Tomorrow morning, God is going to show us Who's his and who is not his. The Lord knows who those that are his. And we a lot of us know the story. The next day, ground opens up, a whole bunch of people, right? And the people of God who stayed faithful were alive, and the rest of them uh, became permanent parts of the earth. But he says this, he calls it out like. In the context, as we read, he's talking about all the false teachers. He's talking about all the the false things that are being spewed out and said and trying to infiltrate the church and everything. And finally, Paul just says, finally this. You know, like the story of Korah, at the end of all this, the Lord knows who are His. The Lord knows those who belong to Him. So you know what our job is? Many times we're like, oh, ready to do the defense mechanisms of this person and that person. That person's got bad doctrine. That person's got bad doctrine. You know what God wants, God wants you to know? The Lord knows that you're His. Right, so good. You are His. So good. And if you call yourself His, separate yourself from all ungodliness. Right, right. It's your job. We are so worried about all the stuff that goes around everywhere. And we don't want to self-evaluate. Our own lives. Ugh. I told you, Timothy's tough. But like in this world, listen guys, in this world where we have all of the, man, the internet has made it, is amazing and awful. All at the same time. You can watch Hope Church on YouTube. Praise the Lord. Hello, everybody watching on YouTube. You can watch, right? And you can watch great messages. I got some of the guys I love to listen to. I thank God for, uh, at times for the internet. And then other times I look on and I go, that's nonsense. That's so far outside normal Christianity of the things that have been passed down for ages. But what, what am I to do? You know what I'm to do? I, first, God's called me to be a pastor. That's not number one, number one thing. People, I, honestly, this is the truth. People come to me with all these new thoughts and new things. I'm going, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to pastor a church. I love you, appreciate you. I ain't got time for all these things that's gonna pull me. I got I got a buddy of mine, like Ken, he's not he, actually not here this morning. His his brother, oh, he passed away this morning. What, what false doctrine do I need to concern my, what other weird doctrine do I have to, about how or how do I help my friend who's going through a tragedy right now? How about this? Like, I, I don't have time for all the other, because you know what God's called me to as a husband? To love my wife? To figure out how to do life now as an empty nester? And that's the thing, but you empty nesters, you know. Like you know what God, you know what God asked of me? Hey David, honor me with your life. That's the biggest thing God asked me to do. And many times, listen, here's the truth. Many times those other doctrines and those other things are just distractions to keep us from the main thing being the main thing. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord depart from wickedness. At the end of the day, the end of the day, it's this. If you call on the name of the Lord, it should come out in the way you live. Full stop. Full stop. It should come out in the way you live. And how is that? How you treat other people. How you you share, how you present yourself as a follower of Jesus to the world. All those things matter. And they're the, they're the main thing. They're the main thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. What if, I, we, we, when we planted this church, it was an interesting thought. You know, they said that, uh, Jesus says that the number one commandment is to love love God and love others. I was like, what if we made a church? What if we started a church? Julie, what if we started a church? And, and we said that the number one thing would be the number one thing that Jesus asked us to do. That we would focus on the number one thing that Jesus asked us to do. Love God and love other people. What a novel idea. Love God, love others. Amen? It should be a mission statement of every church. Really. Amen? To love God, forgive Walk in forgiveness. You know what? Church is the, one of the greatest opportunities to walk in love and forgiveness ever. If you, if you don't believe that, hang around church for a while. <laughs> You'll get opportunities to have to forgive. Amen? Hey, where? Oh, I'm. Ooh, this is dangerous. I'm going to do it anyway. How many of y'all have been to this church for more than five years? Where's are over five-year people. Have Let me just say this. Have I ever done anything to disappoint you? Oh, come on. (laughs) Julie says yes. Well, just say, Jessica, Dennis. Dennis says, hey, easy, brother. (laughs) Easy, easy. Just one hand, hand, Dennis. (laughs) Well, you know what I tell you, everybody else, give it time. (laughs) I'll disappoint you. I can promise you that. Amen. But that's part of the process that we love people regardless. We don't give up on people, amen? We love people. Even in all of our, you know, if we're commanded to love, that means there's going to be opportunities. You you wouldn't be commanded to love if everybody's just going to be always loving all the time. You get commanded to love because sometimes there's opportunities where you're going to have to love anyway, amen? Matter of fact, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples, not even the way you love the world, the way you love people in the church. All right, well, let's move on. Hey, we got to get to the karate kid in a minute. So then it says, then he says, then he very uh, familiar to some scripture where it talks about this, this, this vessel of honor thing. He starts talking about the, the, a vessel of honor. And in a the house, there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. We can always, in our imagine imagine what the vessels of dishonor are and the vessels of honor are. It doesn't really, not really specific, but we can imagine some of those things. But it's interesting that he says that you don't have to stay a vessel of dishonor. He says, purify yourself. He didn't even say God purified you. He said, purify yourself, that you will be a vessel of honor. That means there's a your part to this. Obviously, there's a God part. But there's a your part to this, to purify yourself. Let's read that scripture again. So if anyone purifies himself, verse 21, From anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So in the movie, so in the movie, we know the story. Many of us know the story. It's this long task of painting the fence, seemingly mundane. And actually, the first time you watch a movie, you're like, man, Mr. Miyagi's a jerk. When is the training going to start? Right? Paint the fence, 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 paint the fence. Mr. Miyagi, how long are we going to paint the fence? Well, today's your last day. Perfect. Tomorrow, we wax the car. Okay, great. Wax on. And he goes, and he goes, no, 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 no. Mason Miyagi, right? Wax on, wax off. Right? And he's like, remember, he talks about painting, not paint the fence, no, paint the fence, right? Teach them how to paint the fence, teach him how to wax the, wax the car. And then get on your knees. And sand the floor. Sand the floor. Not like that. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. This long, mundane task. And then he comes, you know, the scene, classic scene. He comes to Mr. Miyagi and goes, I am so tired. When are we going to start training? And then Mr. Miyagi starts throwing punches, paint the fence, you know, the, the whole thing. You know the movie. Many of you know the movie. How many of you have never seen the movie? You've never seen, you've never seen the movie. <laughs> Betrayed in my own home. Guess what we're doing this afternoon. Have you not seen it? Lisa, my sister, my sister have not seen it. Roll the roll the movie. Let's just watch it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> After service, we're showing the movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who settled the fourteen year old? Have you not seen it either? Okay. You made Wesley it. I did make you and Wesley watch it. Amen. That's in the Bible. By doing those things, it changed him. It prepared him. For battle, it prepared him to be ready when the attacks come, right? And then he taught him the whole crane move. Remember that? That was different. Like, how is waxing a car gonna help me? So, what is our preparation? Well, he lists them. He said, Flee youthful lusts. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, flee. There's some. There's going to be some desires in you, Timothy, that you need to run away from. There, there's a lie in our world that everything I feel, I just act out. Because I'm, I'm just trying to be my true self. Take that out to the furthest extreme. So everything you feel, every thought that you had this week, every desire that you've had this week. You should have just acted on it. Listen, we we as people of God, I'm not talking about what the world does. That's up to them. Amen? Church, amen? That's up to them. We name the name of Jesus. Our job, flee youthful lusts. We don't follow every passion, every passion that we have some days i wanted to skip church cuz the falcons games on actually right now somehow in london they're playing in london for some reason yeah i heard don't worry about it that's what I heard. <laughs> break every stronghold shine through the shadow Get a new quarterback. <laughs> flee useful less. Not everything you want to do is 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 for you to do. Amen. He says flee them. He says pursue. If you're going to flee something, you're going to pursue something else. Pursue righteousness, <laughs> faith. I'm going to run out of them. (laughs) Love and peace. (laughs) What are you going to run to? Pursue righteousness. What is your job as a believer? Pursue right living. A life that honors God. A life that pleases God. Live a life of faith. Pursue faith. If you feel weak in your faith, you can grow in your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can get into God's word. You can listen to people who practice their faith or get around people who are strong faith people. Grow your faith. You can pursue it. Pursue love. How many of y'all have perfected in love? Dennis, put your hand down. How many of y'all have perfected (laughs) call me out, man. I'm going to call you out. Do unto others as they do unto you. Oh, wait, wait, that's wrong. Pursue love (laughs) and peace. Peace. This is all, are y'all getting anything this morning? Pursue things. It's the mundane, it's the everyday. It seems like just normal Christianity, but look at all these other things. They're so, they're so nice and they're so pretty and they're so cool revelation, cool revelation. That's wonderful, but keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, that's right. yeah. What has God called you to live? How has God called you to operate in this world that is ungodly? Is what you're learning gonna cause you to be unshakable in a world that's ungodly? Grow our faith. Grow in our love. Grow in our peace. If you're, listen, if you're living in a life of turmoil, you can pursue peace in your own life and actually peace with other people. Then he says, don't waste your time on rants and foolish quarrels. Well, oh, there goes there goes social media right there. It's out the window. But then listen to what he says. This is really powerful. I want to read it. Verse twenty-four. Let's go there. He says, "The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle. Watch this. Gentle to everyone. Able to teach." And patient, verse 25, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Isn't that interesting? Gentleness in with your opponents. He says this. Hey, the people that are maybe coming against you, and maybe they have some bad doctrine or maybe some... He's telling Timothy, right? Those people that come against you and have... He says... Be gentle. What? That goes against everything inside of a human, to be gentle to those who oppose you. Yeah. He says, be gentle. And then he watch what he says. Patient. Hey, this thing that they believe is not going to be changed overnight. Yeah. It's not going to flip on a dime. Do you, do you know a lot of your, your posts, th- that's changing nobody's opinion? You know, the the anger that you store up inside you is not changing anybody's opinion. He says, if you want to help someone go to towards the truth, be gentle with them. Maybe care about them as a human. Maybe be, and then he says, patient. And then then maybe they'll come. But that's part of what we are. Is that gentle and patient? Perhaps God will grant them to repent uh, them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, guys, we're we're the light of the world. In our actions, we portray Jesus. And then you, you know, people say, Well, remember that time where Jesus took a whip, and died? that's what I want to do with them. That was like. Twice? In his whole ministry? And you want to make your doctrine about how you treat other people? With What about the Jesus that bends down to the woman who's caught in the act of adultery? Says, hey, I got rid of all those guys who were all judging you. Because they're all guilty too. Hey, I don't condemn you either. Hey, get up and walk. Get up and sin no more. Showed her compassion. Love. I know this is not popular. But when was Jesus in his ways ever popular? And the hope the hope is the hope is that those people who are trapped in sins, maybe they're trapped in just having their own opinions about who God is, trapped and having a negative opinion about Christianity and all those things that we see today. Those people that are trapped, perhaps they'll come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What if we thought of people that are in those messes as people who have been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. Other scriptures, it says their eyes have been blinded so they can't see the truth. You know, in all your arguments and all your confrontations with those people, remember, they have their, people have their eyes blinded by the enemy. And again, we've said this time and time again, we try natural means to break supernatural problems. We should pray for people. God, I pray, as Paul prayed, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. God, that person's been taken captive. God, that person has followed the wills of the world and culture, and they've turned their back on you. God, I know that their eyes have been blinded. God, would you, I pray the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. They would see the hope of their calling. God, I pray for them. I bind the enemy off of them in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, God, that you would send labors across their path. God, man, if you're, if you're thinking about it, let's just do that right there. If you have somebody you're thinking about right now, right now, as we do it. Father, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. God, break the blinders off of their eyes in Jesus' mighty name. God, draw them with your great love for them, God, in Jesus' name. God, they've been taken captive to do the enemy's will. God, I pray their... They're, their release of bondage, their release of torment in Jesus' mighty name. God, I pray they would come to their senses. God, draw them by your love. And God, here I am. If you want to use me, here I am. Send me in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's our attitude towards the world. Amen. At the end of the day, it's between you and him. At the end of the day, it's between me and God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up again. Let's let's all stand together as they come. It's just you and you and him. Just you and him. We had a word in one of our worship nights. And it was a word about not just our church, this church in general, And the word was distracted. We've been distracted on other things. God, there's so many people who do not know you. God, would you help us to be a prepared worker, useful for your service.